0: Put your Two Hands on the Hurl podcast. Two Hands on the Hurl podcast. Two Hands on the Hurl
1: podcast.
0: Two Hands on the Hurl podcast.
1: Well, you're very welcome to this uh, special edition of the uh, Two Hands on the Hurl podcast. We're going to do a reaction to the uh, Six Nations, end of the Six Nations, Ireland, kind of uh, going out with a bit of a whimper to uh, defeat to France last night. So um, we're just going to go through some uh, kind of few discussion points about the game. So I'm your host uh, Robbie Mansfield. I'll be kind of leading leading the discussion for uh, for this evening. So we got, uh, as always, Dreamy Leamy, Liam O'Neill, who's uh, about as angry as Jonathan Sexton was when he was uh, taken off last night. Hello, Liam O.
2: What's the story, Rob? I think by now I've I've accepted it. I'm not sure if Johnny has,
1: but but I have. No, Johnny definitely hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Farrell is off the Christmas list for Johnny. Sexton, <laughs> I think.
2: No Christmas card um, for. Uh... Randy Farrell.
1: No. And also jumping on the call is uh, TJ TJ Mills, who's still smarting over uh, Kilkenny's uh, narrow victory against uh, the Superdubs last night. How's it going, TJ?
0: Would you believe I'm still in shock, Robbie? I won't lie to you. It feels like a loss, but uh, we're here to talk rugby anyway. So, uh, all we can do is improve improve for the second half performance yesterday. And me, (laughs)
1: good Cool, cool. Well so our first discussion point is gonna be uh Andy Farrell and basically do do you think he has uh, improved us as a team? Is there hope for the future? Uh, so you wanna take it away there, Limo?
2: I will of course, I will of course. Um I think like he's probably in like a a dead spot at the moment. Like he's trying to get rid of Joe Schmidt's uh style of play, which like they've played really well and it was drilled into them. So he's trying to get rid of that and like impose his style of play, which is a bit more open, I suppose, and kind of free form. And uh like it's probably just taking a few of the, the older players that have been there with Schmidt that small bit longer to adapt to it. But um I definitely think it's it's gonna work and it's gonna uh kind of improve our style of play.
1: So um, so, do you think it's kind of like a building towards the the world cup sort of uh that's his kind of that's his uh, his brief is kind of build his team towards yeah. the world cup yeah, I think so like that's
2: the world cup is where you want it isn't it like yeah that's where you want um everything to click and to work to work well, so I think it's gonna take a while like you've seen a while the younger players like they it suits their style of play a lot more, and like obviously you want to try and involve those younger players a lot more because they're the ones that are going to be playing you know, for the next 10-12
0: years. Like, so.
1: What do you think of uh, Andy Farrell, TJ?
0: I'm 50-50 on it. It might seem like a common trend here, not making a decision, but I I don't know. Um, I agree with what Liam's saying there. I'm hoping that he is building towards the next World Cup, but I'd be kind of more critical of it in a sense. We lost things. Now, I I understand what Liam's saying. I understand what Liam's saying. He's trying to get rid of the style of play that Joe Schmidt had there. That kind of got stale. And it was seen in the public it got stale, even though it was successful. But I don't know how patient can be. I mean, how many more beatings can we take, say, at the hands of England while he's trying to develop a style of play? Um, I mean, we have England in what's the new Autumn Nations League, which replacing the November internationals. We're facing a trip to Twickenham again to face England. Could the squad take another loss at the hands of England? Hi, hi.
2: With the way England played against Italy, do you think they're going to fucking hammer Ireland?
0: The way we played against France, I won't lie. Uh, I mean, it's... I. I agree with you, I agree with you, but England are Six Nations champions, no matter what, at the moment England are Six Nations champions, if they won with a last minute drop goal, they, they're still Six Nations champions, and they can say here we played poorly, but at least we have the championship, as our, we have, we're championship holders, we're the winners of the championship, Ireland blew a gesture, I mean, Ireland knew exactly what they had to do. They went out with the, the scenario. Like, I, I remember saying in the podcast last week that if Zandi Farlow wouldn't like the team to know what they had to do. Genuinely, let them go out and play their own game. They needed to win by six points. They kicked for the corner instead of taking it's three points from a penalty. If they'd done that a couple of times it would have been in a far better position than being hot 17, 13 down. They might have gone in level or they might have gone three points ahead. And that's the worrying thing. The one thing with, and I won't waffle on anymore, the most concerning thing other than Jonathan Sexton, and we know we're going to be discussing it, is Andrew Conway saying here, what the coaches had to do was half-time. In, in other words, instill belief in the team. This is a team that had success. I know their young players gone in there, but they are experienced players there as well. And I won't lie to you; I'd be actually fearing playing England and Twickenham. I won't lie to you. After yesterday's performance, I would genuinely fear. Last year, England beat us in the warm up to the World Cup and they beat us in the Six Nations as well. And it isn't all about England, but they are the benchmark in the Six Nations Championship at the moment. But I hope I'm wrong. I really
2: hope I'm wrong. I think you are, because England didn't look fit against Italy at all. I think you're way off. I don't think England are gonna put fifty points on a team in the next international matches. I don't think they're fit enough. I don't think they're sharp enough.
1: Do you... England have a bit of a hoodoo over us at the moment though, Liam? Do you think do you think they kinda of have just whatever they
0: they have, have a bit the of
1: edge. a kind of Yeah.
0: Yeah,
2: they have the edge, but like in rugby I will always rather be the underdog than the the shorting.
1: It probably suits Ireland as well, being with their backs to the wall. Like hopefully after losing last night that will kind of, you know, spur them on to better things, like in the autumn League and into the into the six nations and stuff. So uh I, me personally I don't think Andy Farrell has improved the team like from last year. Like you could imagine us getting to the same point under Joe Schmidt. Um, but I do think, having not really improved us over the course of the year, that there is kind of chinks of light for the future. Like bringing in it is kind of a kind of a changing of the guard. You've got kind of sects in the Murray that are kind of on the, the wrong side of 30 and trying to bring in kind of new guys, you know. So it's a difficult sort of time to be taken over This Irish team, if you know what I mean. So, like, rather than when, say, um, who was it before, Declan Kidney and Joe Schmidt came in, they came into teams that were kind of ready to win. Whereas I think this is going to be more of like he's going to transition us into a better team, hopefully.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. I know I agree completely with you, Robbie, but the thing about it is, and It's one thing, the Irish are the greatest supporters, right? Everyone admits that. But will we be patient enough in the sense that, I mean, I think the biggest test, like in this earlier, say the earlier rounds of the Six Nations that took place in March, you can say that Andy Farrell didn't have time. And now we were discussing about how bulked up Ireland got and everything um, during the break from play. We didn't seem to have, like... We had the hoodoo over France. France didn't beat us, I think, in nine games up to yesterday. I I stand corrected on that, but I think it was nine games. Now it looks like the the old bad days are going to the side of France and not performing are back. And with a young side, confidence comes from winning. Are there any signs there that we will? Could we go out and... Are there an opportunity there, Liam, that we will go out and win Dawson Nations League? Are there that much of an improvement there, following on from what Robbie said? Will they be there?
2: I think, like, right now, if he he can keep, like, a solid performance, fuck winning, just keep a solid performance and keep, like, the morale fairly there, and then, um, like, they'll fairly have that bit of a break over... The next, um, like everyone will be going back to their clubs after these uh, internationals, and you can see it. I think if they spend a bit more time at their clubs, um, that that'll help feed the international team. Um, I think if you can just do, if you do decent in these autumn internationals,
1: that'll be a massive boost for I think. Speaking of uh, Meraldo, Liam, what do you think of uh, Jonathan Sexton being, first of all, his uh, reaction to being taken off and maybe him as him as a captain of the Irish team? What are your kind of thoughts on both of them?
2: I think he should have been taken off at least 15 minutes earlier because all he wanted to do was have a bit of a chat with uh, fucking Wayne Barnes. You know, like that's all you want to do every decision Barnes made Sexton you know you're seeing it he had a fucking long face on him it was like what the fuck did we do there or whatever and I know Barnes did make a couple of questionable calls but like get on with the game uh, I think Sexton like he's getting on a bit now he's he's what 35 nearly 36 I think
1: uh be 38 he, for the World Cup or their best of
2: the yeah uh, yeah in around that so I think I think you want to be looking at your your Next 10 up, your next uh, out half because um, Ross Byrne at the moment he's well able to command that Irish team. Um, it's just to give him a few games, and these are internationals now is a perfect time to give him the few games.
1: Uh, but I think the changes, is, you know, why bring the changes and kind of get some new guys in exactly. and Start games with
2: yeah, get... yeah, it, yeah. Oh, and get get the Irish team used to saying "fuck it," we can play and we can win without Sexton, you know. Um, yeah, but I, I think I think his time has has kind of passed there, and he's he's moving on. I no, I think he'd be an absolutely amazing coach.
1: Do you think that's where you kind of go into coaching, kicking coach and stuff?
2: Yeah, kicking coach or backs coach, you know, or offensive coach. You know, he's. His mind is still fairly sharp, like off the pitch and how the game works, but I think he's lost that bit of sharpness on the
0: pitch.
1: I think, as well, like the kind of half in half back sort of position, you need someone who's hungry, you know, the I mean? way you need scrum half and now half that are like hungry for success and they're going to take a few risks and they're kind of they're going to have a bit of edge to their play. Where exactly Sexton, Sexton's been brilliant, like for as long as he's been playing, he's probably been our best player in the last probably 10 years, like you know. and... Nothing would ever take it away from him and he's world player of the year, like you know, and but definitely uh you need edge playing in the halfbacks
2: Yeah. Um uh, even I think uh Gibson Park, like he did well for Ireland under against Italy and against France. Like he sped up the game and you started to see you know Ireland starting to move that bit better then. Um no, I think France did very well at slowing down Conor Murray and Versailles. you Yeah, know, they were very late coming out of a rope they were very Slow to get off the ground and out of his way, and I think did very well there to slow him down and slow down Ireland's game. Um,
1: but Murray, I uh, catch a bit of a slap as well there. Um, in some rook, I think he, had, he didn't have anyone protecting him or something, and he got he got a he got he got uh, hit anyway. I think, anyway, at one point in the second half, I think.
2: Cheers. I'm not sure, Rob, don't know what you're on about.
1: No worries, pal. <laughs> we'll <be> on. So. <laughs> <How about? laughs> so just you kinda of mentioned it earlier, TJ, about uh the kind of decisions to kick. Um and my me and myself watching it, uh when the, the, they had the kind of the long the long penalty from sixty or fifty yards out, which uh Murray had to go at and they decided to try and kick it over instead of going for the corner. And this is kinda of early doors. I think it was kinda of nil-nil at the point. And he went for it and missed, and then just before half time there was a decision to take a handy three points and just kind of see out the half. And they went to the corner and uh, kind of made a bit of a mess of it. So what do you think, you know, what's the thinking behind both of those kind of, they seem kind of to be at, at odds with each other, like the two different decisions, you know? What do you think, TJ? TJ?
0: Yeah, it might sound contradictory in a sense where I was saying that you were kicking for the corner where they were pointing on offer. It was wrong that they should have taken the points and then... Do the opposite and say here, take Conor Murray to take on the long kick. I think taking on the long kick was worth the gamble. If it went over, it would have been brilliant. He had the distance, but he just didn't have the accuracy with it. So yeah, you can say fair enough. That was fair. Um, I mean, there were opportunities left out there. I mean, when you're when you're not playing well and you're kicking for the corner. It it can come off at times, but it's a gamble. I mean, when it's when you know what you only need is to win by six points, kick them over, keep the scoreboard taken over, no matter what sport you're in. Once you keep the scoreboard taken over, you're in with a shot. And by not doing that, you're giving momentum to the opposition. And um, the one worrying thing just following on about Johnson Sexton was I didn't think he, he showed the leadership he should have yesterday. I mean, forget about everyone can have an off day on the field. But it, it takes it. and this is absolutely no disrespect, Johnson Sexton, but it shows a it shows a lot of character to hold your hands up, no matter whether you're a captain or a former World Player of the Year, or even he was talks of being up for a player of the year this year as well. That You show leadership. You show leadership to the young players around you. If you're having a bad day, hold your hands up and say, here, it wasn't my day. Let someone else go in. Now, listening to the interview he done after the game, it it kind of came across as the Sexton show. In other words, it was, he should have been left on for the final 10 minutes because he could have produced a bit of magic. I mean, the argument to that was he had 70 minutes to try and prove it in in play. And... Going forward, I think I agree completely with Limo. I think we have to just push forward with the likes of Ross Byrne. We have to. There are question marks coming into the championship this year about should Connor Murray be dropped and should Johnson Sexton be dropped, in other words, to the bench and go with Duke, the likes of John Cooney and the likes of Ross Byrne. I think that's the only way forward. I think if you had those on the field yesterday, we could have come away with the pints. That might sound funny, but I don't think Ross Byrne would have kicked in for the corner. I think he would have taken the pints. I genuinely do because he's a young player. He's trying to he get a bit of momentum. And you take the easy pints that are on offer. It's like a free taker in any sport. You just take, you tap over the easy ones. It's like an opportunity. You have a 21 yard free early on in the game. You go for a goal or do you tap it over the bar you tap it over the bar because there can be opportunities later and I think that's where Ireland came up short yesterday he can question referees' decisions and everything like that but looking at it Ireland had 14 shouts to France 7 and France still emerged victorious we watched 7 points
1: another kind of huge factor was uh, the mistakes a lot of kind of handling errors uh, from the Irish team it was a big one from Stockdale which led to their second try. I know, like, for me, anyway, Stockdale, he did play well in the second half, carrying the ball and kind of going forward, and that seems to be the kind of the strength of his game. Uh, so I we'll won't totally hang him out to dry, but definitely made a huge mistake for their second try. And in general, we made a lot of uh, very poor errors at, at uh, key kind of points. Do you want to kind of take up on that, Liam?
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, like... Obviously, Ireland's uh, mistakes, their handling mistakes and whatnot, led to France scoring tries and France gaining momentum. But at the same time, how many handling mistakes did France make and Ireland not capitalise on? You know, like it, it goes both ways. Now, that Stockdale, he should have dove on that ball. Like, he should have slid into it and picked it up. Um, I don't know why he tried to take it on the run. Uh, like It's a very hard skill to take it on the run, and especially when you're last man back. I think you need to be jumping on that ball. Um, now his carrying was great. He made some serious ground on, on carries, and like I think it was uh, fifty or sixty minutes in, they brought up the stats, and he had made I think about sixty meters from carries, um, which was unreal. Um, but yeah, his his handling just wasn't there. Um, yeah, but like at the same time, Francis wasn't there either. It was just a poor game in terms of handling. And uh, France just took the opportunities that fell their way. Ireland didn't.
1: Just to kind of take up on that point, um, for me, there was like, despite everything we've kind of said, there was kind of a point in the game where it was uh, France were ahead by eight points. And we only needed to score two tries to have, to get a bonus point. So we, two tries, bonus point, we win the, we win the championship. And we got a, a line out inside their 22. And we lost it. And then we ended up getting pushed back 20, 30 meters. Another line out, lost it. And then ended up all the way back into our, into our 22. Uh, so, like, that was probably the most frustrating kind of uh, point for me watching it. Because despite everything that had kind of gone before, the poor decisions to kind of kick, uh, in my view, to take the long shot and not kick for the corner, and to kick for the corner and not take the easy points. And then the kind of the there error, and um all the other kind of stuff we kind of said, that was kind of the major kind of uh kick in the teeth for me it was just we, we we had it within our grasp to win it and we just kind of fluffed it. I think as well in the Johnson Sexton interview, he was kind of saying we had the ball in their twenty two and we lost it, and he was kind of like putting it onto the onto the, the front eight, I suppose, as well, they kind of almost lost the game for us. What do you think yeah. about that, T J?
0: Yeah, I agree completely with you, Robbie. And one thing that it's just I'm thinking of it here now: were we over-prepared? You often hear of a team they do too much analysis on, like were we did we focus too much on say what France could bring that we weren't playing with freedom. If you you often hear like the biggest criticism of say the final few days of say Joe Schmidt in charge of Ireland. Was that they they didn't play with freedom. There were too much scrutiny on trying to find the right way to say it. In other words, there were too many instructions to the players that they couldn't express themselves. Now, looking at say Ireland against Italy, I mean, Italy showed they weren't that bad a team. Being honest, England are Six Nations champions, and they put it up to Italy put it up to England. So Italy aren't a bad team. So to beat him, the way we did, what, 50 points to 17, showed we, we played well. The, the thing I'd be w- wondering is, what was done in the, the seven days after that? Did we Were we overanalyzing? Did the players, I mean, was it Jonathan Sexton looking up at Andy Farrell, in other words, saying, here, these are the instructions you gave me, and now you're taking me off, punishing me for, in a sense, was it that kind of thing? that was the thing the criticism of which the, the very little criticism of Joe Smith that there were too much analysis and that or too much instructions I think that might have feeding into the Ireland play yesterday and that's where the handling errors and all of that comes from I think
1: yeah could be a good chef, and as well maybe having the we were kind of thinking we're going to need a bonus point all week and then at the last minute it's like oh we don't need a bonus point we only need to win by seven points and maybe that kind of could have uh, could have thrown them as well but I think uh, I think we'll kind of leave it there on the rugby guys uh, TJ do you want to just pick it up on the the Movember stuff and, uh, and you have like a group set up for that do you? Oh yeah um, yeah
0: this year we're um, going to get involved with Movember um, myself and uh, Another uh, member, Ricky, is going to grow moustaches. And I think yourself and Liam are going to do, you're either going to shave your beards or you're going to do 60K in November.
1: I can tell you, I'm not ever going to shave my beard. It's not going to happen.
0: (laughs) I am.
2: I'm I'm 100% with Robbie on this one. I'm not shaving my beard. I'm going to let my beard grow out, lads. Yeah, okay, go for it yeah
1: like as yeah, well like, like you that? know i don't have any any hair on the top of my head and uh if i start growing a mustache you know <laughs> it's not gonna look good i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah. it's not gonna, not gonna look well at all so uh i'm gonna you know completely sacrifice you know running is a, is a huge thing for me <laughs> so uh the 2k today i'm gonna do 2k a day uh every day for the 30 days and that should kind of bring me up to the 60k which you have to do and there's also another one where you can do uh a half a million steps as well, so it's like sixteen and a half thousand steps a day. So I'm gonna do that as well. So uh, I'll be I'll be earning my uh, donations that way. But uh, I definitely won't be doing the cash option. Uh, TJ yourself, are you gonna go for the handlebar look, or what were you gonna go for? I don't know. I try and grow it first.
0: <laughs> it's comical because I had a beard grown the past couple of weeks, and I shaved it off yesterday. So I said here. I, I might uh, with the lockdown and all of that. I might do the run journey. So uh, I mean, We see. See. but uh, the most
1: you do a picture every day though,
0: yeah. Uh, I say weekly. I, weekly because
1: ah no no no, you have to do a picture every yeah, day, d- and then I we'll, we'll do, like a, a oh, okay. do like a montage. Oh. If you do like a picture every day and then just do like a video, uh, like meshing all of them together, that would be fucking class.
2: Yeah. Hey, sure. Rob, Rob, if TJ does that, myself and yourself will do one every day after our run
0: and see if we can, like, look less dead.
1: Yeah, sure, look more fresh. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, the most important thing out of all of this is donations. It is for a great cause. Um, it was initially set up, I think, for, to raise awareness for male prostate cancer, uh, but this year it's mental health as well, so that's very important things so all donations as Robbie was said there we set up a page uh, we're all going to have individual pages but they're all going to be grouped together under the Two Hands and the Hurl podcast on Movember.com so we will put all the details okay. up. and yeah um, you can either laugh at how dead Robbie and Neymar, are which I don't think will be possible uh, because you're two fit lads but I think the massages might be getting the piss taken out from
1: us. We're uh, going to yeah. give uh, prostate cancer the finger. Oh, shit. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're also uh, in association with uh, testicular cancer. So it's a, a charity with balls and also mental health and uh, suicide awareness as well. So it's like great causes all around uh, with the, the Movember movement and stuff. So it's uh, definitely worth the donation. What we do? not do Cool boys. Well, I suppose uh, we'll leave it on that positive note. Uh, raising money for good causes, and uh, hopefully fortunes are on the way up in the, in the rugby front. Fingers crossed. Hopefully. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we'll sign off, guys. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Bye
0: good, bye luck. Bye, 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 bye. good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good Thank you for listening to the Two Hands, Hands on our our podcast. podcast.